Welcome to the Chicago Business Review, where we introduce you to some of the most successful and sharpest minds from my hometown, Chicago, so that you can find out the secrets that have helped these professionals achieve massive success. If you want to accelerate your growth in your personal and professional life so that you can do more, have more, give more, and ultimately live the life you've always desired, then sit back and stay tuned in because you are in the right place. I'm your host, Young Lee, and you are listening to the Chicago Business Review. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Chicago Business Review. I am your host, Young Lee, a real estate broker here in Chicago, a real estate investor and serial entrepreneur, and I am so excited to bring on today's guest. Mr. Steve Smith is a 15-year veteran of the mortgage origination business. He is also a man of many talents. He is a musician that plays multiple instruments as an angelic voice, is a stellar award-winning fisherman, but above all, he is a great mortgage advisor. So I'm so excited to bring him on so he can help answer and debunk a lot of questions that you might have as a consumer. So without further ado, here he is, Mr. Steve Smith. Steve, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Of course, my man, of course. So um, as you know, the mortgage industry has been in the news a lot lately with interest rates uh, being all over the board in the last 12 to 18 months. So before we dive in, I know a lot of people are just curious what do you think is going on with interest rates now and moving forward? Hard to say, and as most people do say, there's no crystal ball, but my personal opinion is somewhere in the next 12 to 24 months, we will see them continue lower. Short term, it's always difficult to predict because short term, they can go up and down, you know, 0.125 or a quarter pretty easily. And so what happens is if I say, well, I think rates are going to go down and then they go up in the next week by 0.125, then people say, look, you're you're wrong. But in general, I think by the end of this year, by the end of next year, we'll see rates hopefully with a four uh, in front of it, maybe 4875, hopefully lower. Um, it's kind of the prediction I made for this year that we'd see something in the fives. And we already had about a two week period that we, we touched in the fives. So uh, that's the hope. Uh, all of that being said, I think, you know, there is still a risk that Fannie and Freddie can change some of their rules, right? Or change risk levels. There was just an announcement made that they are changing some of those risk levels. And so even though the market stays the same, for certain borrowers, their rate's actually going to get worse overnight when nothing's really changed otherwise. So I don't know. It's it's complicated where rates go. It's complicated in how they're determined. I think it, it goes back to, you know, buying a home, owning a home. It's not all about the rate. It's about getting as best as you can and then focus on everything else. <laughs> no, that totally makes sense. And of course, we know uh, no one can predict the future. But 
you being a 15-year veteran, you've kind of seen it all. Um, I always joke that uh, when I got my first condo in the city um, in the early 2000s, we got 6.5% interest rate. And back then, I was jumping for joy, being like, oh my goodness, I can't believe what a great rate I got. And uh, now, you know, we're lower than that level. And uh, people, I wouldn't say are panicking, but uh, based upon where rates were recently, um, perspective has a big deal to do with it. But it is very encouraging. And I've seen some of the other banking news and even a letter out from Goldman anticipating that uh, the worst is kind of behind us. You know, we'll see. But uh, it has been encouraging. And even you mentioning to me at the beginning of the year, hey, don't be surprised if rates uh, dip below under six here. And then shortly thereafter, <laughs> they did. So um, I'm excited to hear kind of your forecast or what you're expecting. And uh, we'll keep an eye out on that. So uh, like I mentioned, um, you've been a veteran in this business for fi over 15 years you now. How did you get into mortgage origination and what kind of drew you into the business and what keeps you going? I grew up in a real estate household, you can say. So my my mom was a realtor for 27 years. You know, I was the youngest. I have two older sisters. And so as soon as they were kind of out of the house, that's all I had at dinner time was mom telling stories about whatever you know, sale or whatever buyers, or she worked with a builder quite a bit. I actually worked with him. So I just kind of had the whole, all things, you know, from staging a home to making listing sheets to, uh, you know, how to rehab something that was just all a part of me growing up. So, um, I tried to get away from it, right. I started in pharmaceutical sales actually right out of college and and it just drew me in. A friend was was working for a mortgage company. He introduced me to some folks around there, um, and it just fit. It made too much sense. It was like, you know, not a lot of training needed. I guess would be the description. Yeah, no, that uh, that makes sense. Sometimes uh, we're just kind of destined to do the things that we do, and with the background that you had. Um, and just understanding all aspects of the business and not just mortgages, but the home buyer or the home seller's process and their psychology and emotions going through it. I know that's helped you tremendously dealing with your clients and helping navigate them through kind of what to expect as well as making it um, just an easier process for them. Um, cause I know you guys offer very competitive rates, but a lot of the things that our mutual clients always discuss or talk to me about is how great an experience you help them make it. So that's awesome. Uh, you know, and that's kind of what separates you from a lot of the other professionals out there and what's given you all these accolades. But what are some programs that you guys have at proper rate that maybe are unique to you guys versus other lending institutions? Um, I would say w with proper rate, the 
it's not just the programs, but it's also how we're set up as a company. And, and so starting with the programs though, I would say, you know, we've got, uh, the fully underwritten pre-approvals is one that we really, we talk about a lot. Some people choose not to use them for whatever reason, but we call that power bid. Um, when you walk in with a fully underwritten client, or if you are the client, you're as close to a cash offer as you can get, right? So when you're a, a seller, if you have multiple offers and you're looking, this one has already been underwritten. All you need is appraisal and clear title for the home. And then you can close. Um, not only can you close pretty quickly, you know, two weeks maybe, uh, but you just have less worry, right? And sometimes that's what, what it's about for the seller in terms of picking which offer they're going to choose. Um, we also have, you know, programs where you can lock in your interest rate before you actually have a contract. Uh, in times like, I'll give right now as an example where, you know, we know that Fannie and Freddie are about to make some adjustments, right? And so even if the rates stay the same for the market, for certain borrowers, that rate, it's going to go up. Those folks should be using that program. It's called lock and roll. And so, you know, the only hard part about it really is that you have to close within your time period. So a typical lock and roll would be between 60 and 90 days. So as of right now, you would say, hey, I'm closing for sure by the end of April, right? Or third or fourth week of April. Then I have the opportunity to lock in my interest rate. I know that it's, I know the worst it will be because it's locked. And if rates actually improve, then you can renegotiate it lower, right? So it's this kind of best of both worlds. Um, they tend to be maybe a little bit worse than like a 30-day rate if you're locking that in. But it's it's worth that. It's worth not having sleepless nights because when rates go up, they can go up in a day, right? We could start today at 6.125 and end today at 6.5. Uh, and we've seen it, <laughs> right? So... Um, oh, that's that's incredible. So just to clarify that, so you would ideally use this in situations where you might anticipate either your rate's going to go up or like you were mentioning some changes with Fannie and Freddie changing some of the guidelines that might affect certain types of borrowers so they yeah. can lock in the rate and that's going to be anywhere from 60 to 90 days. And of course, the longer that time period is, maybe the rate is a little bit higher um, because you are locking it in for a longer period of time. But did you say that you can also, um, if they go lower during that period, that you can readjust, try you to renegotiate it lower, float down is what people call that typically. No, that that's incredible. So yeah, if you're pretty certain that you're going to go under contract in the near future, that might be a tool that is very beneficial because usually most lenders only allow you to lock a rate after you are under contract. And so that's a huge benefit. Now, you mentioned, um, and I'm going to go back to the uh, other program that you guys had, but you were mentioning about potential or changes with Fannie and Freddie um, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Just so the sure. And I, it's one of those topics that I, I kind of heard out about, so I can talk for a while. I'll try to just like simplify that. Uh, 
Fannie and Freddie announced these changes. They are coming. Um, they're for loans that are delivered to them after May 1st, right? So we expect that any day some of these changes will be baked into the to the rates, right? Which means like they're not going to wait for May 1st to start having people locking it with that. Uh, it's loans delivered by them, right? So again, the, the key with this lock and roll is before those changes are made, you got to take a look at trying to get your rate locked in. It's with borrowers that you wouldn't expect. It's they've added some breakpoints in the rate or risk levels to the rate. Right now, as as I sit here, anything above a 740 credit score would be the best interest rate you could get for credit. They've added now a 740 to 769 or 759, sorry, a 760 to 779, and then above 780 is all considered the best, right? So let's say you're a 760 credit or a 755 and you're putting 20% down. As of today, you might be 6.125. When they make that change, you're going to be closer to six and a half. And that's with nothing happening to the rates overall. So Uh, the rates would stay the same like that you would see as a consumer, but depending on maybe some of your qualifications or criteria, they're going to segment what your rate could be a little bit more in detail than it yeah, used to be. That's correct. And again, it's right now the the people impacted the most are kind of the folks maybe who think they wouldn't be. It's it's credit scores above seven hundred, not below, but above seven hundred, and down payments between ten percent down and twenty five percent down. Wow. Okay. So even the people that are considered great borrowers previously, they can have some impact to their rate. It's not going to be a drastic impact, but there will be some changes kind of coming in the, in the future. So any day is my guess. Okay. Within, Within days or weeks, it's come. Okay, so again, another reason why that lock and roll program that Steve and Proper Rate are offering might be a good thing to look into sooner rather than later, especially since you might be able to renegotiate that rate lower if need be. So um, I know we're touching base about the higher in or higher credit scores but i also wanted to maybe debunk a myth and that uh, you don't necessarily need above 700 credit to qualify for a mortgage though correct yeah absolutely um so i mean we can do fha loans down to 620 uh va loans probably down to 580 or so as long as you get the approval through the underwriter um you know sub 700 is very common right and and a lot of people will get discouraged looking at that another new program that's out there uh, allows us to not have those risk based adjustments to rate if you're a first time home buyer or if you're median income well I'm sorry if your total income is less than 100% of the average median income. Uh, also, first-time home buyers uh, who are 80% of the median income have some benefits. 
um, could be, you know, again, the lower rates uh, could also be lower mortgage insurance rates. Uh, if you're under that 80% threshold, um, you can buy with 3% down as a first time home buyer. And, and a reminder that a first time home buyer is somebody who hasn't owned for three years. So let's say you owned four years ago and you're have been renting since you're not thinking to yourself, well, I'm not, you know, I, I don't qualify because I'm not a first time home buyer. Well, actually you are. No, that I, I'm glad we were able to touch upon that. Um, cause I feel like a lot of people have these misunderstandings that, Hey, if I don't have perfect credit, I can't qualify for a mortgage or if I don't have at least 20% down payment, I can't get a mortgage, but you're saying you could get a mortgage for as low as 3% down payment or FHA has three and a half percent and VA, you could put zero down payment. So definitely options out there. And then more benefits for first time, first time home buyers, but first time home buyers you're saying is anyone that hasn't owned a property in at least three years, correct? Correct. Now correct. that is very helpful and something I feel like I'm always trying to educate our clients on. And so I'm glad you were able to bring that up. Um, now going back to that power bid fully underwritten, uh, pre-approval. So you're saying that people can come to you, give you all of their information that you guys require and their loan can be pretty much approved prior to them identifying a property. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So all of our pre-approvals start online. We try to streamline everything. So let's say you're a buyer right now. Uh, you need to get pre-approved. You're thinking of going out this weekend because, as you know, some listings are starting to come back on. We're starting to see volume and it'll pick up. Uh, you put in your online application. It's basic questions. It'll take you 15 or 20 minutes to just click through and answer those. You then get a link to upload documentation. So normally it's just going to be W-2s a month of pay stubs, month of bank statements. Um, in certain cases, we might need, you know, full tax returns if you're self-employed or if you own other property or whatnot, right? But the documentation is straightforward and there's nothing surprising. Uh, at that point, when we have those documents, we're going to submit it to an actual underwriter. Uh, right now, underwriting is at 24 hours. Right. So if I submit something this afternoon to the underwriter, we're going to have a full approval tomorrow and you have the strongest possible offer to make when you walk in. Um, the cases when you're letting, you know, 20 percent down for some reason with with sellers, just with buyers, they kind of think, oh, they're putting 20 percent down. So it's no big deal. Well, you know, those those loans can fall apart for the same reasons that a five percent or three percent can. It's, you know, uh, maybe the income isn't as high as we thought. Maybe, you know, the self-employment, once they write off their income, isn't quite there, right? So having an actual person sign off on that feels great, right? It, as the seller, you're you're a lot more confident knowing it's been reviewed and signed off. No, that's, I think, is such a benefit and something that a lot of people should try and take into account because short of a cash offer, that is 
as strong an offer that you could make if you could go to a seller and say, look, the lender has already reviewed all of my criteria and they've approved this loan. And so you're pretty much guaranteed that I, as the buyer, will be able to close based upon this fully underwritten pre-approval versus some other ones where they're just running your credit and, you know, and just following off of what you tell them. If I were a seller, it's most important, I think, for less than 20% down buyers, which is a bulk, right? Yeah. Um, If you've got 5% down, 10% down, get fully underwritten because then your 5% down offer is... To me, I'd be more confident in that closing than a 20% down, right? Only yeah. The drawback might be, oh, well, I'm concerned if it's going to appraise, but that's not, you know, that means that you might be offering too much gets. That's, that's <laughs> true. That's true. No, that's, that's actually a great point. So it is like if your offer may not stack up as well, the way that you can make up for it if you are putting maybe less down payment than somebody else that's offering on that same property. If you go in with this fully underwritten approval, now even though you're putting less down, um, they should have more confidence in your offer than even somebody that's putting 20% down but didn't go through that full process. So okay. on day one, you're almost ready to close. Yeah, no, that's incredible. You need yeah. a title, which shouldn't take more than a couple of days, and the appraisal, which can just be a couple of days also. And therefore, you can also accelerate your timeline if you did need to close in a more timely manner. And it also just gives you more leverage when you are negotiating, when you have more options for the seller, like, hey, If you need to, I can close this for you as quick as possible. So two amazing programs that you guys are offering there at proper rate. Uh, Now, I know we kind of touched on some of the misconceptions that um, buyers or home buyers might have. But what do you think are some other common mistakes or misunderstandings that home buyers have that you've encountered over all of these years? Sure. It's a great question. Um, and I think, you know, we've covered two of them that I would say. So number one would be that buyers don't lock early, don't lock when they have the chance. Um, it's rare that there's a time that somebody locks and then rates go down and they can't renegotiate, right? We would know that up front and it would be every time I lock with a client, we discuss should we or shouldn't. And my vote is almost always to lock, right? Let's take variables out. Let's not have me have to call you and tell you that your rate went up, right? And and you then all you do is at night, you think, wow, I really hope rates go down. And guess what? I do too. Because <laughs> it doesn't impact me at all. I just get to call with good news. Uh, number two is that they're not fully under it. Um, for everybody who works with me, you know, my referral sources, they know that I say the words stack the deck. That yep. when you're out there, you're buying a home, right? You're not just going, you're not buying a phone. You're not buying uh, this or that, right? People kind of look for like, oh, I'm going to save 10 bucks or 20 bucks or this. You know, it's like you are buying a home. Part of buying that home is that the seller has to pick you as the buyer. 
So remove all the variables you can. Have all of the intangibles lined up. Be fully underwritten. Wave an appraisal if you can wave an appraisal, right? Um, that's what makes things successful, right? That's what makes, you know, a solid team of a you know lender, your realtor, your attorney, right? Closing a, a good title company. All of that, all of that can help a lot, right? Um, I think probably... The last thing on the buyer side is that I think there's too many people who say, I can't get a loan. That somehow they've heard from their neighbor or their cousin or, you know, their, their cousin's neighbor that, well, I, whatever, I, my tax returns are a mess. I can't get a loan. Right now, I, we have as many products as I can remember having access to in the last 15 years, right? Um, I recently, and I'll just give a quick example, I recently closed a bank statement loan. That was exactly the case of a self-employed borrower, tax returns very much a mess. They had a specific bank account that was for their business, and we were able to use the cash flows from the business to show what income was there. And for that specific lender, it's a kind of a portfolio product. For that lender, that's all they want, right? There's minimums. That program has to have 20% down. But I mean, here's a person who just said, I can't get a loan. And they ended up, close and buy right so they're thrilled and when they get the tax returns sorted out they'll likely refi and so that's kind of my last point is that i think a, a mistake homeowners make all the time is they either think refis are bad or you know i shouldn't refi until a year's gone by or until interest rates are one percent lower and it's just it's likely bad loan officers because they're all our bad loan officers who unfortunately choose you know their own paycheck over what makes sense for a homeowner. Um, but refinancing is all about math. Uh, if rates go down low enough and if the cost to refinance is low enough that you recoup those costs quickly, then in fact, it's the sooner you refinance and get in the better loan, the sooner you can start saving money or making your money more effective. Right. So I think it's just, you know, it's worth a phone call. Right. It's worth a phone call to me, some other vice president at proper rate uh, to say, does it make sense? And if it doesn't, we'll tell you. (laughs) Yeah, no, those were such great points. I think two of them that I want to reiterate were the last two because we kind of talked about the first two. But for home buyers, I meet so many people that just automatically disqualify themselves without even knowing what their options are because they do believe that, oh, I need 20% down or, oh, my credit score is not good enough. Or like you were mentioning, like, oh, you know what? My tax returns are a mess. And so I'm not even going to bother trying when in fact, if you do talk with an educated mortgage professional like Steve, he'll at least be able to run through all of the options that you have. And like he said, there are more options available to consumers than almost ever before. And so uh, it doesn't hurt to have that conversation. It doesn't cost you anything. I know Steve is very generous with his time and wants to help you, the consumer, get into a home and he's going to advise you accordingly. And if you are not qualified, 
at least you have somebody that can walk you through the process and prepare you so that you can be qualified as soon as possible. Because if you're just taking advice from your neighbor or a family member that isn't in the business, which we both experience all the time, and we have to like tell these people, okay, no, that's not correct. And then educate them on what is correct. But if they're just waiting around till they think they're ready, that they're wasting all this valuable time when you can reach out to someone like Steve and he could either tell you most likely that you can qualify or what you need to do so that you can qualify as soon as possible. So exactly. That's huge. And then the other thing you were saying about it being math, like refinancing, people get so caught up on the interest rate and they're like, you know, I'm going to wait for rates to come down. And what they don't take into account is, well, what are you going to do until the rates come down? You're paying for something. If you're renting, you're still giving away that money versus you can get into the property you like and then refinance it when the numbers make sense it, it, and it kind of circles back to our first discussion with rate right there's nothing saying rates have to come down which okay. means that anybody right buying it right now if rates just go up here then they locked in the best rate they can ever get if rates stay the same they're still locked in the best rate they can ever get and if rates go down good news you refine so the rates just kind of are what they are and you take advantage if they go low. I, I love that you just said that because I don't think people think of it that way. They always think in terms of like what history shows, but you know what? It would have been great to buy Apple stock or Google stock. Yeah. Hundreds of dollars lower. But if we're going to wait for that to happen again, we're, that's just foolish of us. And so, yeah, locking in the rate now, it's either going to be the best rate that you're going to see. And if it goes lower, you have the option to renegotiate that rate by refinancing. So, yeah, I love the way that you put that because I feel like not everyone understands that. Now, I think another misunderstanding that maybe homeowners have are or people that are looking to buy a home is that they don't understand the benefits of having an asset because then you know you have other options available to you whether it is cash out refinances or home equity lines of credit can you elaborate a little bit on that just to show people the benefits of getting into a property sooner and such Sure. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting. You talk about the math with refinancing. Well, there's also math with, should I rent or should I buy? Um, and everybody does that math where whether they think about it and doing it or not, they're saying like, why am I paying $2,000 rent when I could own this home? And the reason is that two things, number one, part of your payment's going to interest, but part of it's going to the principal pay down and that's equity in the home. The other part is the actual equity in the home, which over time likely to go up, right? And appreciate values. That's what that's what makes it the asset, right? 
you own that home. And obviously, you know, we hear it all the time. Well, I'm going to wait for prices to come down. I'm going to wait for prices to come down. Well, people were saying that two years ago. People were saying that eight years ago, 15 years ago. And what's the reality? It's that prices are higher than they were 15, eight, two years ago, right? Over time, that asset is likely to appreciate value. And guess what? During that time, your money's being effective to actually owning more of that home, right? Uh, there's tax benefits to your mortgage payment too. Interest paid is right, right? Your tax bill on the property tax. So um, all sorts of benefits there. And I, I just think it's, uh, you know, it's something that people often overlook. No, that's, uh, yeah, that's so helpful. Because again, people get so caught up in just the interest rate or the home price. But like you were saying, even if people bought at the peak of the market or the peak of the market back in 04, 05, 06, most likely if you have that property now, it is worth more than when that price was. And people are like, oh, you know, I don't want my home prices to go down. But again, you're locking in an interest rate. And so your payments aren't going to change for the most part for the period of time where you lock in that mortgage. So, right. Uh, and I mean, you mentioned, I realized that I didn't really have to answer a question about cashing out or equity clients, but, you know, as that asset grows in value, or as you're paying down the loan amount, you can always then set up something like a home equity line where in an emergency, you have access to that equity without needing to sell the home. Same thing with the cash out refinance. We see people who, you know, the the thought, it's a good one, is that, hey, I want to pay out my house. I don't want to have a mortgage. But inevitably, there's going to be some big purchase or I'm sending my kids to college or whatever it may be. And, you know, whatever, student loan rates are either higher and, uh, you know, financing something, or maybe they rack up some credit card bills or something. And then you look and with a cash out refinance, you can lock in whatever rate you're paying instead of paying 20 on, you know, 20% on a credit card, right? Or eight plus on a student loan. Um, so both of those are good ways to access that equity. And it's a lot of you know, a lot of financial advisors I work with, even if somebody has paid off a home, then they'll set up a line of credit just in case. Right. Yeah. No. And another reason why it is so beneficial to talk with an expert like Steve so he can run through all of these scenarios with you. And so I know um, people are going to be very interested to find out more. So if you would like to get in contact with Steve, you can visit him online at properrate.com backslash Steve Smith. But are there any other ways at which they could reach out to you or is that website the best way for people to connect? Websites, the way you can, you can email steve.smith at properrate.com. You can always call my cell or text me. Seven seven three eight five one one seven nine three, and I can vouch for that. That is actually his cell phone number, and he <laughs> will get back to you because 
he messages me all the time, giving me great updates and just giving me advice on where the market is going and such. So uh, I am so thankful to have a partner like Steve that I've been able to work with. Um, remember, I only try to bring on people that I trust implicitly at, with my clients and with my own business. And so if you guys have any questions, please reach out to Steve so that he can get you into that house with the best rate or the best program for you. It is not whatever um, rate is out there, but he wants to tailor it for the best situation for you because every situation is uniquely different. And so Steve, thanks so much for this time and for all of that information. I feel like we provided so much value to the listeners. So guys and gals, if you're listening, if you find value in this episode, or you know somebody that's looking to possibly get a mortgage, please share this episode with them. And we always appreciate your comments, reviews, and those five-star ratings really help us bring on amazing guests like Steve. So, uh, and if you're really great, you know, he might even be able to sing you a song or something like that. He had <laughs> amazing voice. So uh, for Steve Smith, the Senior Vice President with Proper Rate, I'm your host, Young Lee. Thanks so much for listening and watching, and we will catch you next time. Have a great day. Thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. I truly respect your time, so I hope this was valuable to you. And if you're a new listener, then thank you for checking out the show. And don't forget, you can find all the resources, links, and show notes on our Facebook group, Chicago Business Review. Just go to Facebook and search Chicago Business Review so that you can find out all the latest info on future podcasts, get all the show notes, and network with other highly successful and driven entrepreneurs and professionals in Chicago. Also, be sure to contact me while you're over there and share any feedback, questions, or guest recommendations you have as well. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.